the sixth chapter, starting at verse 13 through 24. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychius, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from the God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. This morning, we're going to be finishing up our study of Ephesians. We've looked at the mystery of God's plan, which really is that he chose each of us before the creation of the world, and that he sent Jesus to shed his blood for us, to redeem us, and adopt us into his family. He made us joint heirs with Christ, and we sit with him in the heavenly realms, receiving every spiritual blessing through him. And last week, we started talking about the spiritual war that's raging around us and the war that's really raging over us. Satan, our enemy, is real. And he's trying to trick us. He's trying to deceive us with his plans, with his schemes. And he's been doing it since way back in the Garden of Eden. Now, we, we can't see the forces of darkness around us but we do see their work. We see them in big things like murder and theft, but we see them in the small things, gossip, pride, greed. But Paul reminds us of the power that we have through Christ. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. It's the same power that's residing within us, helping us to stay strong stay firm but there are areas that we are vulnerable to Satan and so Paul uses this illustration of a soldier's armor so that we can help protect ourselves from Satan's plans, from his schemes from his deceitfulness and last week we talked about the belt of truth as the first piece to put on because it holds everything else in place 
Every piece of our armor is secured to the belt of truth. And so if we don't have our belt of truth on, then the rest of the armor falls apart. And if we leave the belt of truth in our closet, we don't use it. Then the rest of our armor is rendered absolutely useless. Today we're going to start with the breastplate of righteousness. In battle, the breastplate is what covers the chest from all the blows and the arrows. But a breastplate of righteousness. See, when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we repent and ask forgiveness for our sins, that's when we accept the righteousness of God. But we have to put it on. See, back in chapter 4, Paul said that in Christ, we were new creations. We had to put off the old self, make room for the new man, the one that was built on God's righteousness. In Ephesians 4, this is what he said. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, by putting on God's righteousness, what we're doing is committing to living to his standard of right and wrong. It's his standard of holiness that we're committed to living by. And by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, we're committed to being imitators of God. In all that we do. But if we want to take part in following the deceitful desires of our heart, if we want to take part in lying, in gossip, in unkind and unloving behavior, then what we're really doing is leaving ourselves open for Satan to come in. Because if you give him an opening, he'll take over. But when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, We're committing to imitating Christ in all things, in all ways. But if we choose to respond and behave in the ways of the world, then we've thrown it off. We're no longer protected. The breastplate of righteousness is not on us. And that's when we're vulnerable to Satan's schemes. Then in verse 15, Paul says, Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel peace what he's referencing is a verse in Isaiah Isaiah 52 7 says this how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace who bring good tidings who proclaim salvation who say to Zion your God reigns see with our foundation of truth with our righteousness in Christ showing through our actions That's when we're prepared to stand firm. And we resist the temptations of Satan and of the world. But we have to be prepared to shout to the world the good tidings of salvation that we have, of the peace that we have, and say, God reigns. He has the victory. See, when we stand firm, when we have our belt of truth buckled around us, 
who are wearing our breastplate of righteousness. We're declaring to the world out there a different way of life. We're showing the world a better way, a more fulfilling way to live our lives. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He reconciled man to God and Jew to Gentile. And this sounds crazy, but when we're engaged in spiritual warfare, we're actually promoting the gospel of peace. That's what it's all about. And then then verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And we're not talking about just this little shield, little round one that just kind of you hide your face behind. The Roman shield was a full body shield from head to toe. In, in Old Testament writings, the shield is actually used as an image of God's protection. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. Proverbs 35 says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. See, with our armor, Paul says, our faith is our shield. And earlier in the first chapter of Ephesians, Paul said that our faith is our means of our divine strength. In verse 19 in chapter 1, he said, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power. See, it's that shield of faith. It's laying hold of God's resources. Mostly his power that's available to us. When we're in the midst of Satan's attacks, we have the power of God available to us. And when we take hold of that shield of faith, when we hold tight to God's promises, that's when we're confident. Because we know that he goes before us. And he protects us in every battle. See, the flaming arrows of the evil one really are depicting the cruel and the insidious schemes of the devil. See, in Roman times, what the enemy would do was they would dip the arrows in pitch, and then they would light them on fire, and then they would send them. And they would inflict deadly wounds and just ultimate chaos in the armies. And only the shields that were dipped in water would actually protect the soldiers. And Paul's saying, your enemy, your enemy Satan, is this dangerous. And he will stop at nothing to destroy you. But you can't do it on your own. Your strength is not enough. With our trust, with our confidence in our Lord, in his power, that's how we resist. That's how we overcome the enemy's attacks. And then in verse 17, he says, take the helmet of salvation. This is about our hope. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, he says this, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. 
See, Satan wants us to lose our hope. He wants us to lose our hope in our security. He wants us to lose our hope in the assurance of our salvation. Two of Satan's most dangerous weapons are to discourage us and to cause us to be doubtful. So to discourage us, what he does is he points out our failures. And he points out our sins, our unresolved issues. He uses our poor health or whatever else seems negative to us in our circumstances so that we lose confidence in the love of our Savior. So we lose confidence in the care of our Father. Satan wants us to focus on the problems that we're in right now. Because that's where we will lose our hope. And if we lose our hope in the future promise, then we have no security now. And that's how he gets us. See, the helmet of salvation is that great hope of salvation that gives us confidence and assurance that our present struggles that we're dealing with right now are really just a speck of time compared to eternity with him in heaven. And then Paul says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, all these other pieces of of armor have been about defensiveness. How do we defend against the the satanic attacks? But the sword of the spirit... That's an offensive weapon. That's a weapon to attack. (laughs) With the word of God, that usually tends to be pretty offensive anyway, doesn't it? (laughs) Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, the sword of the spirit, it can actually be both a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon. See, when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and faced Satan and his schemes, Jesus used the word to rebuke Satan. He defended against those temptations with scripture. When Satan promised Jesus the kingdoms of the world, If he would only bow down and worship Satan. Jesus replied, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Even when Satan tried to use God's word to tempt Jesus, Jesus knew the word well enough to use the truth as a defensive weapon against Satan. But we have to be in the word to know the word to use it. And then the sword of the spirit as an offensive weapon. Because it's the same sword of the spirit. It's the same word that's spoken that releases men and women from bondage to sin. And it's the gospel that breaks the chains of this world and brings life to those that hear it. The armor that we're to put on is a visual illustration of all the information in the entire book of Ephesians. He's given believers a way to remember all that God has done and all that it means to them. See, the belt of truth is really just a reminder of chapter 1. 
The truth is that God chose you before the creation of the world. He redeemed you. He forgave you. He adopted you into his family. He seated you with Jesus in the heavenly realms. And that's the basis for the rest of our armor. It's foundational for our protection. The breastplate of righteousness is a reminder of chapter 4. Paul says, because of what God has done for you, this is how you should behave. Righteously and holy as your Father in heaven is holy. See, our breastplate is a call for us to become more like Christ. It's a call to imitate him in all we do. And that's where we can find our protection. Our feet fitted with shoes of peace is a visual of chapter 2. Where we're reminded of the unity that Jesus' sacrifice brought for us. Between us and God. And between us and others. It's the peace that comes from the gospel that we share with others. The shield of faith is a visual of the protection and power that we receive from God. For those who believe. The same power, Paul says, that raised Jesus from the dead. has the same power that protects and strengthens you today. And the helmet of salvation is to remind us that once we were dead, but now we are alive in Christ. And one day, we're going to reign with him. Satan can't take that away from us. And we can't let him get into our minds, causing us doubt and fear, and telling us falsehoods about God's work in our lives. The Sword of the Spirit is a summary of chapter 3, where Paul talks about the revelation of the mystery of God. It's the revelation of God's plan to send Jesus to live as a man to die for us. To take our shame, our death, upon himself, redeeming us. Then Paul closes out his letter with our greatest weapon, prayer. He tells us, pray at all times, with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance, for all the saints. Prayer is the greatest weapon because it's what we need to deploy our armor. We already know the spiritual battles and evil surround us. So we're already engaged in it. But if we aren't in prayer continuously... We're unsuccessful. See, the powers of darkness that are around us, they're always at work. They don't rest. And so our prayers must also be continuous and never-ending. And Paul tells us to be alert because you need to know that Satan is waiting to trip you up. He's waiting to devour you, so be alert and watchful of his work around you. Pray at all times for all the saints And don't let your armor down. And then Paul requests prayer for himself. In verse 19, he says, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul doesn't pray for his circumstances to change. He asked for prayer to be bold in sharing the gospel. I have to admit, if I was sitting in a prison cell chained to a guard, 
I think I'd be praying for my release. But not Paul. He prays for boldness and sharing the gospel. It's not wrong to pray for our circumstances to change. Because God hears all our prayers. But we can't lose sight of the fact that our purpose in all circumstances, no matter what they are, is to point people to Jesus. See, every circumstance that we're in, every single one, is an opportunity to point others to God. But it takes strength, it takes boldness and courage, which brings us right back to praying continuously. Because those things will only come through prayer. They come from an active, ongoing, life-giving relationship with our Savior. Now on the world stage, when countries go to war, when they're engaging in war, they have allies to support them, that come alongside and, and strengthen the efforts. We have allies in our battles too. We have one another. We help hold each other up, keep us on the right path. So we pray for one another. But more importantly, we have the three persons of the Trinity as our allies. God the Father is our strength. He's our shield. In Jesus, we have redemption and salvation. Through Jesus, we have the victory. Through the Spirit, we experience a boldness and a courage to speak peace to others and to speak the good news of Jesus. But we need to remember that as believers, as followers of Christ, we're no longer fighting for that victory. The victory's already been taken. We're fighting from places of victory. The spiritual forces that we battle against in this world, they're already under Christ's authority. Paul said in chapter 1, in verse 20, When the Lord raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, all things under his feet. All things. There is nothing that can touch us that he doesn't know about, that he hasn't already battled for us. See, the power in our armor comes from the truth that all authority has been given to Christ. And God has placed all things under his feet. So when Satan attacks, when he tempts you, remember your belt of truth. You're a child of God. You're a child of the creator of the universe. You're chosen, you're redeemed, and you're part of his family. Hold on to that. And buckle it around your waist. Remember your breastplate of righteousness. Draw near to your Father. Obey his teachings and imitate him in all things. Remember that your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. Take the gospel with you into every situation, every circumstance that he puts you in. Praising him and pointing others to him the whole way. Remember your shield of faith. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Use it. Let it strengthen you and protect you. 
Remember your helmet of salvation. Hold tight to that assurance of your salvation. Keep an eternal perspective so that all your troubles are seen in the light of eternity. Hold your thoughts captive to Christ so Satan can't get a foothold. Remember the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. Spend time in His Word. Let it abide in your heart so that when Satan tempts you, when he tries to attack you like he did with Jesus in the desert, you can rebuke him. So when Satan says, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too short, you're too tall, you're too this, you're too that. Remember what God said. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when Satan whispers to you, no one's there to help you, not even God. God says, look up at the mountains and see that your help comes from me, the maker of heaven and earth. And when Satan wants to remind you of the sins and the failures of your past, when he wants you to stay in with your regret, when he wants to shame you and defeat you, God says, no, I'm about to do something new in you. Don't you see it? Take hold of it. And the peace that deploys our armor, prayer. Pray at all times, in every circumstance, for all the saints. Paul finishes his letter with, Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. May God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, I've told you all that God has done for you and all that he is doing in you and through you and all the abundant blessings that you've received. But how are you going to respond to his grace? How are you going to respond to his faith and his love for you? Because it's in that response that we give back. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to worship him in all that we do. Our purpose is to seek peace and unity in all relationships in order to love everyone. Our purpose is to imitate Christ in all things so we become more and more like him in all that we do as we serve one another. That's our purpose. Holy Father, Holy, Holy Father, your word is is like a sword, Father. It cuts to the core of who we are. We stand before you, Lord, arms raised, Praise you for your word, for Jesus, for your presence with us this morning. We thank you, Father. I pray blessing upon every person in this room. I pray a blessing that as they leave this place, they are strengthened by you, Father, that they that they take the gospel with them in every circumstance they point others to you, Father, that they're bold and courageous. And that they they see your hand in all that takes place around them. 
In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.